day, friends of Buzzy. Today is a very exciting day. It is my birthday. And today is also a day that we are going to talk about the solvable issues with vaccine hesitancy. So in the country right now, about 50% of people still say that they're either not going to get a vaccine or that they haven't decided yet. We did a national survey of almost 800 people and asked them how they felt about getting vaccinated. Now, about half of them were trying to get an appointment and half, no, that's not true. Um, half of them were either trying to get an appointment or were already scheduled for a shot, just hadn't gotten one yet. But of the remainder, particularly in light of this week's news that the Johnson & Johnson vaccine has been stopped, it's clear that there are some issues that need to be resolved that actually are addressable. So I wanna start by saying, sure, issues with not getting vaccinated run deep and there are certainly political overtones. There are issues of race. Older male Republicans are the least likely group now that say they're going to get vaccinated. But there also are a lot of addressable issues with those who don't wanna get vaccinated or aren't sure. And it really makes a difference in our national debate about how we handle issues with the J&J &J vaccine, vaccine safety, communication about needles, and even what we offer at differing sites. So I wanna go over some of these exciting results and talk about what the solvable practical issues are with needle hesitancy and with vaccine hesitancy, how they're different and how we can solve them. I wanna start by saying that Johnson & Johnson's one-shot vaccine is currently being evaluated by the CDC because six people who are very young had sinus venous thrombosis after it. This is a kind of blood clotting and blood clots are more likely in females. They're more likely on people for people who have birth control pills and people who smoke. There are also certain factors in the blood that are related to migraines, among other things, that can cause people to have more blood clots. Unquestionably, if you have any of those risk factors, it makes sense to check with your doctor before getting a Johnson & Johnson vaccine. But if the issue is, do I get J&J &J or do I get something else? That's a question that talking to your doctor about risks makes sense. If you're talking about, do I get a vaccine or do I not get a vaccine at all? That's where some of these addressable issues really come into play. Bottom line, we need a one-shot option. So here are the issues, um, or here are the, the results that we found from our survey. Now, let's talk first about how dangerous COVID is. About 125 people, a million, have died in the United States of COVID-19. That doesn't include the hundreds of thousands out of a million who have caught the, the virus and have unknown after effects. So we do know that about one third of people who catch COVID have long-term memory effects or psychiatric effects. We know that there are lung and heart issues. We know that there are fatigue issues. So I don't think we know everything about getting the virus that's gonna be an issue, but we do know that the more vaccines we give, the more of those one in a million issues are gonna pop up. And that's actually exactly where we are with Johnson & Johnson. There's been one issue with clotting for every million vaccines that have been given so far. So one in a million versus 125 in a million, it's important to keep that in mind. Now, 
let's look at why the people in our survey did not want to get vaccinated. Half of them said they didn't trust the, virus, the vaccine. Some said they were, didn't need it because they were young. But interestingly, 16% said they didn't want to get vaccinated because they don't like needles. Now, the CDC said that 7% of people were likely not going to get vaccinated because of a fear of needles. This was one thing that was interesting. In this survey of almost 800 people, it was 16% who said that they didn't want to because of needles. People that already had COVID-19 still are at risk for catching it again. The antibodies may not last and the variants do get some protection from vaccines. So already having had it is a really good reason to delay getting it until other people have been able to get it. But as soon as we have enough supply that the demand is not an issue, it's still safe and effective and important to get vaccinated. Now let's dive into some of the other reasons that people said they didn't want to get the vaccine and see what we can do to address them. So one of the reasons that people said they didn't want to get vaccine frequently was we don't know the long-term effects. And you know, that's true. But what we do know is that 125 people out of a million have died of COVID. And we know that the number of people who have been vaccinated so far who have long-term issues is effectively zero. When you're going to have an issue with the COVID vaccine, whether it's Moderna or Pfizer or Johnson & Johnson, it's almost always within the first six weeks. So the long-term effects of the vaccine, none and exceedingly rare, one in a million. The long-term effects of catching COVID, significant. And we don't know yet what all of the long-term effects of COVID are. One of the other really common reasons that people said they don't trust it is because it hasn't had the long-term follow-up that normally happens with FDA approval. And that is true. At the same time, the normal way that we go about looking at a vaccine is to find out every single part of what the vaccine does. For example, there are vaccines for pertussis that in animals don't actually stop the animals from shedding pertussis and giving the kennel croup to the other doggies. They just make the, pers the, the dog not get as sick. So normally a vaccine process would find out everything like that. They'd know exactly what percentage of creatures contract the disease, spread the disease, whether it changes how long the disease spreads, whether it changes how long you're contagious with the disease, all of these extra factors. And it takes time to do all of those extra factors. So with the COVID-19 vaccines, that was one of the reasons why early on, we couldn't say that it keeps you from giving it to someone else because that part of the timeline wasn't done. The saving lives part, the safe part, those were both done. So the objection of it didn't take as long as it usually does to collect the data for a vaccine actually shouldn't be held against the vaccine. They just chose different parts of the studies to focus on and the FDA approved the vaccine without having all the additional information. So it's not an issue of whether the normal safety procedures were scrapped and it's not an issue of whether the efficacy procedures were scrapped. The issue is that the vaccine's FDA approval process was accelerated and concentrated only on safety and on efficacy. 
but a whole bunch of extra little details, spread and other things like that, uh, duration of contagion, that kind of stuff would normally be included in a vaccine and it's not as important in saving lives. So that should not necessarily be a worry for someone. Other things that people were worried about commonly and why they said they didn't want to get a vaccine was because they didn't know if it was okay if they were pregnant, if they were breastfeeding, or their neurologist hadn't weighed in on it yet. At this point, the only group that has medical issues with getting the vaccine is people that are on medications to suppress them from rejecting an organ. So immunodeficient people who are taking really strong immunodeficient medications on purpose for organ rejection or for any other kind of serious illness, they may not be as protected by the vaccine, but it's actually not dangerous even for them. The issue is that they may not make an antibody response, so it actually may not be effective. And really people, this is what herd immunity is all about. Those people aren't gonna be protected no matter what. They can't get a vaccine and be protected because their immune system won't let them. So those are the ones in our society that we wanna protect by surrounding them with a big group of already vaccinated people to dampen down the vaccine, or the virus. All right, so going back to the survey, so what were some of the other things that specifically worried people about getting a vaccination? And this is where it started to get really interesting. So fainting or embarrassing myself, um, that is a very specific behavior. And interestingly, it does not always correlate with fear. We actually asked in a different question, how afraid are you of needles? And about half of the people who faint had a zero out of five. So it's not that you faint because you're afraid. Some people who faint become afraid of needles. Some people who faint just faint. But either way, it's embarrassing. It takes a lot of time out of your day. And this was another thing that was majestic and interesting. The people who pass out overwhelmingly wanted the J&J &J vaccine. So before they took the J&J &J vaccine into consideration because of the blood clotting thing, the one in a million thing, there were numbers of centers that had issues with fainting and passing out. I think what we're doing here is we are making a magnet for people who are at risk of fainting to go get the J&J &J vaccine because they know they're at risk and many of them who are afraid of needles do not want to have to go through the dread of getting in line twice. So we're self-selecting for people who will go to the J&J &J centers who are prone to fainting because they only want to do it once. That is an issue, but that also kind of leads us to a solution. The other reasons that people did not want to get a vaccine were pain in my arm, shoulder afterwards and the pain of the needle going in. Now, fear of getting sick from it. A lot of that is your own immune system. And there's not a single vaccine that has emerged as the one most likely to make you feel like crap the next day or the one most likely to not do anything. But let's look at the pain in the arm and shoulder. So a lot of people have been using the Buzzy device for a minute before and up to five minutes afterwards while you're getting the vaccine before after and using that vibration to separate the muscle fibers, which may be causing the arm to be less sore. 
this is going to be something that we need to look at on a really big level. How many people is it going to take to figure out if you truly have a less sore arm? But nurses across the country who are getting the vaccine with this, and I myself, my second vaccine, I did that, almost no arm pain. The first vaccine, I didn't do it, and yeah, okay, so it felt like you got punched. This is something which is at least theoretically addressable. So that's like 29% of people who are concerned about getting vaccinated because of arm pain. I mean, maybe they work in the airports and this job is going to really suck if you've just gotten a vaccine the day before, but it's a potentially addressable concern. Fainting. One study found that using high frequency vibration, this mechanical stimulation was stimulating enough to the sympathetic nervous system that it blocked the parasympathetic passing out thing. I was talking to someone last night and he was making a joke about how all the people with tattoos shouldn't be fainting. Here's the misunderstanding. So this fainting response, the vasovagal response, I like to call it a warrior response because when something penetrates deep enough into your arm or body, there are nerves that cause your blood pressure to drop. Now, not everybody has this response in large amounts, but those who do, imagine if you're on a battlefield and someone comes at you with a giant sword or an arrow and they whomp you. And then instead of bleeding out like the Black Knight and Monty Python's Holy Grail spurting everywhere, sorry to people who are vasovagal uh, prone, but you know, instead of losing your blood, if your blood pressure drops and you pass out, then you survive, go on, live another day. So the fainting part is able to be stopped by counteracting that parasympathetic woozy feeling with a sympathetic activator. Only one study has shown that nobody fainted when using Buzzy, but it's enough for right now that we ought to be studying this and we ought to try. And finally, the pain of the needle going in. This is something that clearly Buzzy's been used for. It blocks the pain of needles, at least reduces it by 50%, but 84% of adults who were getting a flu shot felt nothing. So these are really interesting, specific objections to getting a vaccine that are very concrete and very addressable. Moving forward in those things, we asked people themselves what they do to not have um, or to address their needle fear. Now, it was really interesting because even though at the very beginning slide, only 16% of people said, I don't like needles, but when you go down and ask people, do you have needle fear? Only 19% said no. And in fact, 46% of the country had three out of five, four out of five, or five out of five intensity of needle fear. That's way more than previously was expected and estimated. And those are people who are in the group who haven't gotten their vaccine yet. So what can we do for them? Well, one thing is, you know, I've been looking because you may have noticed I'm kind of interested in this topic. So I have been looking at all of these articles that are talking about needle fear may be a big deal and maybe you should think about needle fear and what does Dr. So-and-so say about needle fear? Here's the thing, getting someone over a fear of needles long-term is extremely different from getting someone okay to get protected for one disease with one vaccine. Now, maybe it's two injections, maybe it's one injection, but 
regardless, it's a really different process. And so when we ask the actual people themselves who have a fear of needles, what they do, this is what they said. First of all, 30% of people said they just don't go to the doctor. And this is the first time I've seen this, but this is a big deal. Given that 45% of adults had a three, four or five out of five needle fear, I wonder whether the not going to the doctor thing is why we had so few young people signing up for Obamacare. Is this why we have a delayed onset recognition of cancers and why people are not going to primary care as much? Is it because we've got a whole lot of people who don't like needles, so they're just not going? Second of all, um, I will be the first to admit that I wasn't sure that this survey was legit when I saw how many people were using Buzzy because we haven't sold that many Buzzies. And so I'm not sure how they're using it until we got to another question where we asked, have you helped somebody else with theirs? And everybody's loaning their Buzzies out. So there's a lot of little promiscuous Buzzies flipping from person to person. That's all right, just wipe it down with alcohol. You're welcome, just clean it and go. The other thing that was interesting was the distraction cards. But when we asked people, what are you doing? The interesting things that people gave us as suggestions were different from what the articles say. Nobody said they were using topical anesthetics, not a single person in the 50 odd suggestions, but there were a lot of people using meditation. So I think it's a really useful idea for us to dig down and to ask more of these people who do meditation when they have to get a needle, how do you do it? What part of it? Now, about a quarter of the people said they think about something else, and the best suggestion I saw was thinking about who they're protecting. So if you have someone who's getting immunity because they want to protect their grandmother, they want to protect their two-year-old brother who can't get a vaccine for COVID yet, they want to protect their mom who has a new kidney and can't get the vaccine and have it be effective. So that concept of think about who you're helping, that was a great idea. And as always, one of the things I think is lovely is if you find yourself in a position where there is pain, like going to the dentist and someone hits a spot or getting an immunization, find something that is written and count how many of the letters have holes in them. A has a hole, B has a hole, C does not, that kind of thing. Very complicated, sort of a thinking fast, thinking slow deal where it takes so much concentration that your anterior cingulate gyrus, the part of your brain that assesses danger, gets so caught up in trying to figure out whether letters have holes and how to count at the same time that it can't be afraid of the injection. So that's a useful tip. Nobody said that tip, but hopefully if I keep talking, people will say that tip later. So the other thing that was really useful that people said was being held or holding. So I think that physical touch is something we're not emphasizing enough for the people that have issues with fainting or fear that having someone with them who's allowed to touch them while they're getting their immunity, that's something important too. But I think overall, the really great part of this was to know that, yeah, 46% of people are not getting a vaccine and have needle fear, but they also have suggestions for things that have worked for them. So we should incorporate those. They're concrete solutions to overcome vaccine hesitancy. Now, 
the other part of this which was interesting was if it were available what would you get and 43% of people would prefer Johnson and Johnson but when we took out the people who said that they're not going to get a shot no matter what all of a sudden 55% of the people who haven't gotten vaccinated yet who are planning to or want to or are deciding 55% of them wanted a one-shot option. So I don't think those people are going to be deferred from the fact or uh, deterred from the fact that there is a one in a million chance of a blood clot. Those are people who want to protect themselves so they can protect someone else. They know they need to get it. They dread having to go and they want a one-shot option. What we ought to do is make sure that the places that are giving Johnson & Johnson vaccines have extra lounge chairs to lie down, have a place to get the vaccine that is recumbent, lying down instead of sitting up. All of those places need to have a few buzzies for the people who need them and signs telling people how to use them and a place to wipe them off and clean them between patients. And if the worry is a sore arm, there needs to be a long acting one that can be put on and left on for five, 10 minutes because we don't know yet if that's what makes the arm less sore, but there's no reason not to give someone who's on the fence about a vaccine a reasonable chance at overcoming that objection. So all of this is to say that, yeah, 50% of people aren't sure about getting vaccinated and that's a big deal. There are almost three times as many of them have needle fear than the CDC estimated. That's a big deal. And these people want Johnson & Johnson, and they want a one-shot option, and we need to keep that available. And there are some really concrete things we can do and some really specific indicators of what we need to start educating on that really matter. Really explain, maybe visually, here's this part of the FDA approval, here's this part, here's all of these other parts. This one, yes, we did it. Safety. This one, yeah, we did it. Efficacy. All these others we didn't need. So those weren't as big an issue and normally we do them. That's why it was faster. But really making this concrete and transparent can be an important part of getting people vaccinated. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast, our Facebook, our YouTube. Like the channel. Do the submission, ding dong, so you can see it if it comes again. Ask us any questions. Every two weeks, we're putting together a podcast with the latest COVID information. And if you have any questions about how RNA viruses work or vaccines work, we also have another podcast that talks specifically about how mRNA vaccines, which is Moderna and Pfizer, are different from the AstraZeneca and Johnson & Johnson, which are adenovirus vaccines, if you want to know. Thanks so much, and it's going to be fine.